Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today. It's episode number 99. Man, next week's going to be episode 100. That's pretty hard to believe for this little individual uh, podcast, independent podcast that is. But I'm glad that you guys are giving a listen. Um, I said this last week, but every season there's like unexpected players that break out and their dynasty value increases significantly. And so it's really crucial as dynasty owners that we pay attention to these players and evaluate what maybe caused their sudden rise so that we can better predict players that we think will do the same thing this year. And so last week, if you listened, I did the uh, quarterback and running back positions and predicted which players and circumstances and growth patterns made them likely candidates to have a breakout season this year, um, like I did with quarterbacks and running backs last year. Now I'm going to do the same with tight ends and um, wide receivers. So we're going to go ahead and get started. I just got five of them for you, one tight end and four wide receivers. Breakout guy last year, of course, was Darren Waller. And I'm going to say boldly that Chris Herndon is this year's Darren Waller. Waller became a starting tight end for the Oakland Raiders. Yes, they were Oakland then, so I can use the name Oakland because they were then. He became the starting uh, tight end for the Oakland Raiders for the first time in his career. And he outperformed everyone's expectations, finishing as a number two ranked tight end in the league at the end of the season. Pretty crazy. He had 90 receptions for 1,145 yards and three touchdowns. If he had just two more touchdowns, he would have actually finished right behind Kelsey by just a few points. So pretty, pretty insane. If you don't know the story, Waller was actually drafted by Baltimore in the sixth round, and he played for them for two years. And he didn't play much his first year due to injury, and then his second year he was suspended for four games because of substance abuse. And then he was suspended the entire season for the 2017 season for violating the league's substance abuse policy. After getting the help that he needed to get sober, he was actually reinstated in the league by 20, in 2018. And that's when Waller signed with Oakland off of Baltimore's practice squad where then he was playing behind Jared Cook, who had a very good breakout season in 2018. And then Cook, in free agency, signed with New Orleans last offseason, leaving the job in Oakland to Waller alone. He was not really on the dynasty owner's radars at all. No one was talking about him or thinking about him until he was featured in HBO's Hard Knocks series. If you watched that last year, that was about the time when people started getting interested in Waller and picking him up on their dynasty teams. And, of course, those owners who were smart enough to nab him before the season started, were richly rewarded with this tight end number two at the end of the season. So here's what I think might be some comparables that we can think maybe who would be the next Darren Waller this year. I'm going to say Chris Herndon's situation is not exactly the same, but there's enough similarities to make me believe that he can become this year's Darren Waller, or at least come close to it. I don't think that he can vault himself up to be the number two ranked tight end at the end of the season, but I do think he could finish in the top 12. Herndon was drafted in the fourth round by the Jets, two rounds earlier than Waller. He played pretty well his first year with the team. He actually led the, t- the tight ends and snaps his rookie year, had a very respectable 39 receptions for 502 yards and four touchdowns. He had great rapport with a fellow rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, and really saw his dynasty value rise significantly by the end of the year. 
But like Waller, however, uh, Herndon's rise was derailed by a four-game suspension for substance abuse, and then there was an injury after that. Waller did not play in 2017, hardly uh, at all. In fact, he just played 18, or no, I said Waller didn't play in 2017. Similarly, Herndon did not play in 2019. Technically, he did. He played 18 snaps, but they both basically had absent years, Waller in 2017, Herndon in 2019. I think this year uh, Herndon is the forgotten man, but he's the definite starter on a team that lacks experienced weapons who are familiar with Adam Gaze's playbook. And Sam Darnold last year made Ryan Griffin Herndon's backup, a really fantasy-relevant player, kind of a tight end streamer last year, throwing five touchdowns to him. I think Herndon's far more athletic than Griffin, and he'll be given every chance to prove himself this year if he can only stay clean. Now I'll compare some receivers. I think that DK Metcalf is going to be this year's Kenny Galladay. This one's a little simpler for me if you follow this here. Uh, Galladay finished last season as the sixth highest scoring wide receiver, even after playing half the season without Matthew Stafford. So he finished sixth, even though his quarterback play stunk for the back half of the season. It was really his touchdowns that really buoyed his fantasy value. He scored 11 touchdowns to lead the NFL. He actually only had 65 receptions, but they resulted in, in 1,190 yards. That means 18.3 yards perception was the third highest in the NFL behind only Mike Williams and A.J. Brown. Kenny Galladay's value it really does come from big plays and touchdowns. That's just what he does. But the thing is that he's proven it, that he can win this way and give us fantasy points this way because he's done it every year since he was drafted in the third round by the Lions in 2017. His third-year breakout caused me to move him up to actually being my number five-ranked dynasty wide receiver overall. So big jump for Galladay this last year. And I believe uh, DK Metcalf can be this year's Kenny Galladay because he wins in the same way that Galladay does. Galladay improved each year of his young career. He broke out in year three. Metcalf's rookie season last year was very similar to Galladay's second year. He scored actually just 20 less points than Galladay did in his second season. And this year, he's really in position to score what Galladay did last year. So I think he can do what Metcalf can do in his second year, what Galladay did in his third year, or come close to it. Metcalf wins by making big plays and scoring touchdowns. Last year in his rookie year, he scored seven touchdowns, including one uh, one more in the monster playoff game when he went nuts. He was the 12th highest scoring wide receiver in average reception yards, so 15.5 compared to Galladay's, what I already said, 18.3. So he has quarterback who loves to buy time in the pocket and makes big plays. That's what Russell Wilson does. And so I really think that while he might not be uh, this might not be the year that Metcalf actually surpasses Lockett to be the top-scoring fantasy wide receiver in Seattle. I do think that he will score more touchdowns than Lockett, and I think next year, 2021, will be the year that he actually surpasses Lockett in fantasy value, fantasy points, and everything all the way around. Metcalf wins the same way that Galladay wins, and I think he's going to make a big breakout this next year. Next up, I'm going to say that Michael Gallup is this year's Chris Godwin. Of course, Chris Godwin had a monster third year in the NFL after being drafted in the third round by Tampa Bay in 2017. He surpassed his teammate Mike Evans as the highest scoring wide receiver on the team and finished the season as the second highest scoring fantasy wide receiver in the league last year. Godwin has been steadily improving every year. He scored 78 points his first year, 165 his second year, and then last year, 251. So his breakout year was definitely predicted by many. He was, he was certainly one of the most traded for players the previous offseason. People were trying to get Godwin. This was expected. This was going to happen. 
and his improvement, of course, was bolstered by the hiring of a new head coach and the pass-happy Bruce Arians. So I just think his steady improvement and the new offensive system really created the perfect storm. And now Godwin's moved up to be my number six ranked dynasty wide receiver, right behind, of course, Kenny Galladay, which I said is number five. And I really think Gallup can do that this year. Michael Gallup appears to be on a very, very similar path, uh, path to, God, than God, to Godwin. Uh, he was also a third-round draft pick that played right away and steadily improved from year one to year two. He literally doubled his output. It was kind of funny to see this. It like, literally doubled. He went from 33 catches and 81 fantasy points in year one to 66 catches and 192 fantasy points year two. Like Completely doubled, just doubled around the board. I think like Godwin, Gallup has proven... Uh, he does have a, f- a proven first-round draft pick ahead of him that's the primary target on the team. That's, of course, Amari Cooper. But this could be the year that that gets reversed, as it was in Tampa. I think, like Godwin, Gallup is an exceptional route runner, and he does a lot of the little things to get open and becomes very consistent as a starter. But like Ed- like Mike Evans, Amari Cooper is much more of a boom-bust-downfield fantasy-wide receiver. And I kind of think as the NFL offenses are evolving to more pass-heavy dink and dunk kind of schemes, players like Godwin and Gallup win just with the nuances of their game more than their athleticism. Well, I do have some concern, of course, that C.D. Lamb, who is my number three ranked rookie, uh, was going to take some targets away now that he was drafted by Dallas. I do believe the Cowboy offense is about to explode this next year and everyone's going to benefit. So I'm not too worried about C.D. Lamb's impact on Michael Gallup. I think he can be this next year's Chris Godwin and pass Amari Cooper by. Next player I'll say is I think Sterling Shepard is this year's Devontae Parker. Man, Devontae Parker. (laughs) He was a first-round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins in 2015, and he was a first-round draft pick in all of the dynasty drafts that year. In fact, he was my second-ranked rookie in 2015, just behind Amari Cooper and actually ahead of Todd Gurley. That's how much I thought of him, as did a lot of other analysts. I wasn't alone. Since that time, he's been traded away and dropped off of many dynasty rosters because the owner grew tired of waiting for him to break out and or to not be injured. His uh, only uninjured season that he had was his second year in 2016, and then he only scored 132 fantasy points. Last year, in his fifth season, he finally stayed healthy the whole time and became an every-week starter in Dynasty lineups, and he finished as the seventh-highest scoring wide receiver in the year. Amazing. Uh, Before the season, I presume that Miami would let him go after he finished his disappointing contract in 2019. But after a stellar year, Miami actually re-signed him to another four-year contract worth up to $40 million. Most Dynasty owners who grew impatient with Parker have moved uh, moved him from their rosters, rosters really wish that, uh, that they had him back. <laughs> it's extremely rare to have a fifth-year breakout season. Really, really rare for a receiver. Um, it's even rarer, though, to have a fifth-year breakout season. Um, I think that's going to happen with uh, Sterling Shepard. He's going to have another breakout season in his fifth year, just like Devontae Parker did. Sterling Shepard was my second-ranked rookie in the 2016 draft, so that's pretty funny. So I had Parker number two in 15. Now I've got Shepard as my number two player in 16. I had him just behind Ezekiel Elliott, who was everyone's number one. And actually, I had him ahead of Laquan Treadwell, which a lot of people had as their number two. Big bust. In fact, the whole 2016 rookie draft was full of bust, particularly in the first round. And while Shepard could not be labeled a bust, he has been overall a disappointment. Like Parker, his injuries have plagued his young career, uh, missing about half of the two seasons out of four. So he's played four seasons, and he missed about half of two of those seasons. 
While his healthy seasons, he scored more than Parker ever did, that's for sure. He still never really established himself as an every-week starter on Dynasty, Dynasty rosters, but I really believe that's about to change. Shepard's finally has a more aggressive passing quarterback in Daniel Jones after he's replaced Eli Manning, and he was Jones' primary, contra- uh, uh, primary target once he entered a return from his injury the last six games of the season. In fact, during those six games, Shepard was targeted 8.3 times per game, and in that span, he scored 11 fantasy points per game. Quarterbacks really do make the most improvement from year one to year two, so I think that Shepard's going to benefit from improved quarterback play next year, and he could continue to be the most targeted pass catcher in New York. Unlike Parker, Shepard actually already signed his second contract with the team through 2023, so the team has a lot of incentive to see him play well since they've already signed him to his second contract. And I think if he can stay healthy this year, he could become a top, could become uh, finish somewhere like in the top 12 just similar to what Parker did this last year. And finally, we'll go to what I think is probably the riskiest thing to say, but I'm going to say it. I still believe that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can be this year's D.J. Chark. If you remember, D.J. Chark was a second-round pick by Jacksonville in 2018. He was drafted around the 2-3 turn in most of my rookie drafts. I went back and looked, so a little bit later pick in rookie drafts. Um, he didn't do much his rookie year. He only caught 14 passes while he played 27% of the snaps. So he played, you know, a quarter of the snaps, but only had 14 catches. He wasn't a very crowded wide receiver group that included D.D. Westbrook and at that time Dante Moncrief and Keenan Cole. His second year, however, he was a really surprise breakout year when he played 78% of the snaps in the second year, and he really became the Jaguars' leading receiver. He finished the season as the 17th highest scoring fantasy receiver. His strengths really are his speed. 4.34 in the 40 at the combine, and his size, 6 foot 4 inches. They were really on display last year, resulting in a lot of big plays and downfield, red zone touchdowns. His circumstances changed quite a bit when rookie quarterback Gardner Minshew came in after Nick Foles was injured in week one. But the rest of his circumstances really re- remained the same. He still had D.D. Westbrook, and then he had Chris Conley. They were just as involved in the offense, almost taking as many snaps as him, actually, uh, Chris Conley had a little bit more, 1% more higher snaps than D.D. Westbrook, about, I think, 5% less. So they were all really involved in the offense, but the cream just rose to the top, and Chark became the better player than all of them. Uh, wide receivers often struggle in year one, and they really do make a big jump from year one to year two. It used to be we always said that the big jump comes from year two to three. Really, it's more often now been between year one and year two. It just takes time to learn the NFL's nuances and how to run routes and beat NFL defenses. Chark is the clear top wide receiver in Jacksonville. Although they did draft another second-round receiver this year in LaVisca Chenault, who I think is actually a more promising prospect than even Chark uh, when he was drafted. So I still think that Chark has moved up significantly in my lineups, even though I really like Chenault. Chark now is my number 36 wide receiver after his great play last year. So who do I think can do that this year? Who can have an awful rookie year and then come back and make a big difference in their second year? Like I already said, I think that can be J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Like Chark, uh, J.J. was drafted in the second round by Philadelphia last year, and he was drafted uh, higher than Chark in rookie drafts, getting picked usually at about the 1-2 turn compared to Chark, like I said, was drafted in rookie drafts around the 2-3 turn. Like Chark, J.J. had a poor rookie season. He netted only 10 catches, and he play, even though he played 42% of the snaps since so many of Philadelphia's wide receivers were injured last year. J.J. is the wide receiver, I believe, will make the jump from year one to year two like Chark did. I think that's just it. Sometimes you need that curve to make that jump from year one to year two. 
He could very well be a starter at the X position this year while Alshon Jeffrey remains on the pup list. Other than Deshaun Jackson, J.J. will be the most experienced on the, on the team. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, of course, whom they traded for this season, he just chose to opt out because of the COVID stuff. And then all he's got left and behind him are these just great group of rookies that they drafted. And they're just going to have a harder time getting acclimated to the team, let alone to the NFL. Rookie Jalen Rager should get playing time right away, given his draft capital being drafted, of course, in the first round. But J.J. should be among the team leaders in snaps, too, especially to start the year. He's their only big-bodied receiver, too. Um, they drafted other receivers for their speed, and he's being at best used as more of a red zone threat like he was at Stanford, where he repeatedly high-pointed balls and boxed out defenders for touchdowns. As with Chark, with Chenault, I do believe that Rager will become a better dynasty receiver than J.J. in the next couple of years for sure, and he's already ranked far above him in my rankings. But that doesn't mean that J.J. can't break out this year and become really a top 40 dynasty wide receiver, I would say, by the end of the year. I think he can be this year's D.J. Chark. Hey, I appreciate you guys giving a listen. I like to say this every time, but make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Dynasty Freaks dynastyfreaks at gmail.com that's dynastyfreaks with two e's i'm much better on email than i am with twitter so send me an email anytime i'd be honored to look at your team chat with you about your team talk about your drafts whatever you want to talk about again i appreciate you i would appreciate if you would give a rating and review that would help me a lot help this little independent podcast get found thanks for listening i appreciate your support i do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape until next time you know what to do go out there get freaky thanks for listening to the dynasty freaks podcast with your host justin christopher we welcome your thoughts and advice let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league justin prides himself in responding to every email so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow him on twitter at longhorn justin 